0: Amen and amen. Boy, it's so good to look out and to see all of your faces here this morning. It seems like, it went, in fact, it was over a year ago that uh, we started this uh, pandemic and the different kind of normal for us as a congregation. I remember oh, as we began uh, moving into the pandemic and so forth, I was preaching sermons from my backyard. And then it was out of my kitchen and then my living room. And Clint and Jerry were doing the exact same things as they were teaching classes and doing uh, sermons and then we moved from there into this building here where we began doing live streams and we're being led in songs by praise and, and harmony. And as I looked out over the audience, there was not an audience. It was just an empty building and the pews were all moved out of here. We were fixing cracks in the ceiling. The only audience I had was a paint bucket and some throw cloths that were down on the floors to protect it from the paint from the ceilings. And, and it was just different. I know that there was an audience out there live streaming like there are some of those, uh, those still this, this morning. But uh, it was such a surreal kind of thing. We had a director, we had a videographer, and then there was me trying to preach as though there was a bunch of people looking at me and smiling and doing all those things. And then we went to double services, and that was good. But it was a smaller number, but it was good. And and I looked at this this morning, and I just, I I can't tell you how much this, how good this feels. Just to be together with one another. And and I know there are some who still are at at risk and are not comfortable with coming here, and, and that's okay, and we understand that. But... Uh, we are just so glad that we're here this morning and being able to uh, worship God together with one another. And so when you see those words, so glad you're here, those words take on a whole different meaning uh, than they have in the past. At least they do to me. So I, this morning I want to draw your attention to this passage of Scripture that Jesus, our Savior and friend, spoke to a very, spoke to a very uh, dear friend of his. He said to this person, "I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live, even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? You you say those words. Do you believe this? And it seems so, so sensible, doesn't it? I mean, mean, the answer seems so automatic, and that we should know what that answer should be—that we do believe that. But what if your heart is breaking? What if your heart is broken? What if your faith has been shaken? What if your vision has been removed from you? What if you see a future that is not so great? What if your faith is not what you thought it was? What about the hope that you have within you? What would those words mean to you if you were really challenged with something that was horrific and tragic in your life? The context that Jesus used these words was to his friend Martha who had lost her, her brother. This morning, I want to talk to you about this very thing of loves and and losses and hope regained. February the 27th, 1991. At the height of Desert Storm, Ruth Della was sitting in her living room when she received a message from the Pentagon. The message was that her son, Private First Class Clayton Carpenter, had stepped on a mine in Kuwait, and was killed she remembers these words as she wrote them down she says I can't begin to describe my grief and shock it was almost more than I could bear for three days I wept for three days I expressed anger and loss for three days people tried to comfort me but to no avail because the loss was too great and then she said on that third day she received a phone call and on the other end of the phone call was a voice that said, Mom, it's me. I'm alive. And she couldn't believe what she was hearing. She couldn't see how good that could be a possibility. And yet she recognized the voice and she knew it was her son and that he was alive and that it was a, a big mistake. And then she wrote these words. I laughed. I cried, I felt like turning cartwheels because her son, whom she thought was dead, was alive. And then she said these words, I'm sure none of you can begin to understand how I felt. And I imagine that most of us who have lost loved ones could not imagine what she felt. I think, I think we can imagine, those of us who have lost loved ones, what it feels like to lose a loved one and the, that that shock and that emotion and that grief that is there in our lives, but for them to call us up and to talk to us, that just doesn't happen. But Ruth Dillow was not alone when it comes down to, you know, having lost a loved one and then received them back from the dead. And so this morning, I want to share with you four resurrections recorded in the New Testament where people who had lost loved ones received them back from the dead. And then these resurrections, you're going to see some really happy moments that are there, but also you're going to see some some not-so-great moments in those resurrections, save the first one. The first one is the resurrection of Jairus' daughter. This is found over in Luke, the 8th chapter, verses 40 and following, if you open your Bibles to that section of Scripture. As the narrative begins, Jesus had come to the shores of Capernaum, which is a small fishing village on the shores of Galilee. And he's arrived there, and great crowds had gathered around him, and he was speaking to them, and Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, he comes to Jesus, and he falls at his feet because his heart is broken and his child is dying. He's heard of Jesus' reputation, and so he asked Jesus to come with him, and Jesus agrees to go, and as they head in that direction, again it says that a large gathering was around him and, and that a woman had touched him. And when she touched him, she who had been fighting with a hemorrhage of blood for over 12 years that no doctor could fix, Jesus healed her. And so he was delayed for a moment, and after that action had happened, he begins to move once again towards Capernaum to the house of of Jairus. When news comes from Jairus' household, from someone within the household, and said to him, your daughter is dead. Don't bother the teacher anymore. In other words, there's no need for him. Almost all of us, if we are our parents, can understand what was going on in the life of Jairus. When he heard those words, vision had to be a loss because as parents, we always have vision and, and dreams of what our children are going to do and what they're going to be contained within the life of this little girl were his dreams and his visions. Maybe Jairus had a vision of his his daughter growing up and becoming this beautiful young woman and and then her getting engaged and married and then maybe she having children and him hoping her children on his knees. He had all these visions for what this child was to be all about. So many of those dreams and visions were there, but now they're lying cold on his daughter's death bed. As life drained from his daughter's life, so those visions drained away as, as well. But Jesus said, let's keep going. And so they went ahead and they moved on to the house of Jairus. And the Bible says, the narrative says that as they entered into the house, he took along with him just Peter, James, and John, and Jairus and and his wife, and they entered into the room. But there were people that were gathered around in Jairus' house, and, and they were weeping, and they were hurting inside. And Jesus said to them, don't worry, she is not dead, she's asleep. And it says they all laughed, because they knew she was dead. And then Jesus goes into the room where the little girl was, and he sees the little girl, and he walks up to her, and he says little girl arise and the little girl she did arise she rose up and jesus said give her something uh, to eat but don't tell anyone about what just happened in here i don't know how you would go possibly go about doing that but could you imagine what must have been going through uh, Jairus? how he must have felt inside could you imagine what a happy day that must have been how his vision has all of a sudden restored and how life was good again in so many wonderful ways that probably he could have never imagined unless something like that had happened to him. Do you suppose he's a little bit like Ruth Dillow who, who laughed, who cried tears of, of joy? Could you imagine that probably he hugged his little girl and he, and he kissed his little girl and all that vision that he had lost had now been restored back to him? Could you imagine what that day must have been like. It had to have been an incredible day. But the truth is, the little girl has only a temporary reprieve from death. For whether she lives to be 100 years, she will die again. And there will be a funeral for her, and they will surround her grave or her tomb one day. There's a second resurrection story talked about over in Luke the 7th chapter, verses 7 through 11. And in that section of Scripture, there it says that Jesus had left Capernaum, had come up through Nazareth, and had walked down towards the valley, towards a place called Nain, which is very close to where Gideon, or where the Midianites had gathered in order to attack Israel. Nain was there, and it says that as Jesus approached Nain with a large crowd gathered around them as well as his disciples that as he entered into the gates or began to enter into the gates he beholds that there is a funeral procession that is going on here and the funeral procession is a young man who has died his mother is a widow she has already lost her husband and now she has lost her only son and as that happened things had to have changed drastically for this this older woman this widow woman With the passing of her son, with the passing of her husband, this widow's future was very grim. Didn't have the social helps that we have uh, today. She depended completely on a male person within the family taking care of her needs, and now her husband is gone, and now her only son is gone, and now she is wondering what is going to happen to her in the future. What is her future going to be like for her? Because it was a grim prognosis. And so as she is seeing her boy being carried in a coffin on the shoulders of these, these men, as she's being carried, he's being carried along in this, this mirror, they must have, she must have thought as tears stained her eyes, not only am I grieving for my son, but this funeral day will end and they will all go away and I will be left alone. Who's going to take care of me? What is my future going to be like? But fortunate for her, something good is about to happen to her because Jesus fortunately comes on the scene and he sees the passing funeral and the possession that is going on there. And he walks up to the funeral procession and he says to the woman, do not cry, weep not. And then it says he reaches up and he touches the coffin or the bier it- itself. And he says to the coffin and to the body that's slain in the coffin, he says, young man, arise. And you know what happened? The young man arose. Arise. That had to be incredible words because that's exactly what he does. This dead corpse sits up. And it says that Jesus took and he gives the young man to the, the, the woman. Luke tells us that fear was, you know, the crowd was struck with fear. And they began praising God, saying, there is a prophet among us. Surely God must have visited us. And they were right on both of those accounts. But could you imagine what was going through the mind of this this widow? Who had this bleak future in front of her, and all of a sudden, that bleak future has been resurrected. Resurrected. Now she has a future, now she has her son back to her. Do you suppose that the widow of Nain, that she was like Ruth Dill, that she laughed? And that she cried tears of, of joy? If she was able, do you think that she wanted to turn cartwheels? Because with this resurrection, her future is restored. Instead of a funeral reception, they'll have a resurrection celebration. It's such a great story and it's filled with so much promise for the future. But the truth is, the young man has only a temporary reprieve from death. For whether he lives to be a ripe old age, once again, mourners will attend his funeral and there will be a funeral possession in his future. At least from what I've been saying in way anyway, that statistics say that one out of every one person dies. And so like Jairus's daughter, she will die again. And like the widow Nain's son, he will die again. There's another resurrection story. This is found over in John, the 11th chapter. And in John, the 11th chapter, verses one through 44, There we are told the story of the death of Lazarus and the restoring of faith. And in that story there, there it says that news has come to Jesus that, uh, from Mary and Martha, by the way, that his good friend Lazarus, who lived in Bethany, was at the point of, of death, near death. But Jesus, he doesn't, You know, move right off the bat. He doesn't immediately listen to what the requests were and he doesn't go immediately. In fact, he says that he stays there and remains where he is for two days and later he tells his disciples i will move to bethany but right not right now because you need to see the glory of god in, in all of this i can almost guarantee you that probably mary and martha they probably thought because they were good friends of jesus and because they knew of his reputation and what he was capable of they probably thought to themselves you know i know we know what jesus will do he's our friend we know that he will drop what he's doing he will come running to this place and my brother will live but jesus does not And now as he begins to move towards Bethany, Lazarus has died. And with his death, well, you can only imagine what Mary and Martha might have been going through. You suppose maybe their faith was more than just a little shaken. Because they were sure that he would come, but he didn't come. And now their brother is dead and he's been dead for four days and he's been placed within a tomb. And they're crying in their house and they're crying on the road and they're going to the tomb and they're weeping. They're, their hearts are absolutely broken in half. They could have even said for four days, Like Rutile, their grief was beyond description, almost more than they could bear. For four days, they wept. For four days, they may have expressed disappointment and loss. For four days, people tried to comfort them, but to no avail, the loss was just too, too great. You say, well, how do you know that they were still crying? Because... In the narrative later on, it will say that Mary gets up to leave to go to where Jesus is, and the crowd thinks that she is getting up in order to go to the tomb in order to weep some more. So they were grief-stricken at the loss of their, their brother. But then Jesus arrives, and as he arrives, the first one to go out and meet him is Martha. Look at verse 20 of John chapter. 11 verse 20 of John chapter 11 says Martha therefore when she heard that Jesus was coming went to meet him But Mary still sat in the house Martha therefore, said to Jesus Lord if you have been here My brother would not have died. I don't know what inflection she put on those words I was talking some to Lori last my wife last night about that And I said do you think that there was word that her their words were frustration? Lord if you have been here my brother would not have died Or do you think it could have been, Lord, if you have been here, maybe my brother would not have died. Well, as you go on down and you continue to read this, Martha went on to say, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day jesus said to her i am the resurrection and the life he who believes in me shall live even if he dies and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die do you believe this she said to him yes lord i believe that you are the christ the son of god even he who comes into the world but what about right now what about the fact that my brother is dead now if you have been here he would not have died And she leaves that place and she goes to the house where Mary is. And she says to her, the master is requesting you come. And so Mary gets up weeping and and she goes. She's grief stricken. And as she goes, she begins to speak to Jesus. Look at what it says in verse 27. And when she had said this, she went away and called Mary, her sisters, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. When she heard it, she rose quickly and was coming to him now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And the Jews then who were with her in the house and consoling her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Therefore, when Mary had came there where Jesus was, she saw him and she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus, it says, wept. And so the Jews were saying to him, behold, how he loved him. But some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind, have kept this man also from dying. And it says that Jesus was deeply moved again and moved again within, and he came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was laying against it. And Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you, if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and knew that thou didst hear me always, but because of the people standing around, I said it that they may believe that thou did send me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot in wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And he said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many, therefore, the Jews who had come to Mary and beheld what had been done believed in him. But what about Mary and Martha? How do you suppose they responded? Sorrow and grief turned to tears of joy hugs they laughed you think maybe they felt like turning cartwheels their faith is restored i don't can you just imagine these things jairus's daughter rises from her deathbed the young widow's named son sits up on his out of a coffin and now lazarus comes out of a tomb and he's alive. But once again, the truth is Lazarus will not, will one day find himself back in the tomb along with, his, along with his sisters. And mourners will once again attend. And Lazarus, well, he must die again, for his resurrection is only a temporary reprieve. So, all these stories that I've shared with you and these events of resurrection I've shared with you are kind of they kind of good news, bad news emphasis. Possibly maybe even leaving you a little bit saying, wow, this is the first time we have got back here. We're just hoping that it's going to be good news all the way through this thing here. And now you've told us some good stuff and then you've told us the bad stuff. And so, you know, what's going to happen here? Well, there's a fourth resurrection account that Has occurred that should reset it should reset your vision it should reset your future it should reset reset your your faith and most of all it should reset a hope that is within you I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ that I entitled the ultimate reset because in his resurrection everything changes almost 2,000 years ago the four gospels all record the death of Jesus on the cross as one of the most humiliating and most dark days in the history of humankind when Jesus Christ, the Son of God, bore the sins of the world, your sins and, and my sins. And no doubt the realization of Jesus' death had to have been uh, devastating to all those who had loved Jesus and followed them in him. They, they, would, have been clearly, they would have completely understood Jairus' the synagogue ruler, they would have understood the widow name. They would have got what Mary and, and Martha had felt in the future. They would understand what Ruth Dillow was feeling and what many of you have felt as well as we have lost one, loved ones. They would have understood because they themselves experienced those same emotions themselves. I mean, we get those things. Think about the apostles and the disciples. The disciples, They'd given everything up to follow after Jesus. They left home and family and and jobs and possessions behind. They watched crowds of people flock to hear Jesus and to see the signs and the miracles and the wonders that he had before them. They listened as he, he taught like no one else before him had ever taught because when he taught, he taught with one who had authority, but there was a compassion and a gentleness that was there in his teachings. They watched in awe of his miracles and his healings. They saw the bl- lame walk. They saw the blind see. They saw lepers who were cleansed. They saw him raise people from the dead. They saw those things. They heard his clean claims that God was his father and that he was the one with God and, and that he would, they had come to usher in you know, God's kingdom here on earth. And then one day, they watched their best friend And teacher and mentor nailed to a cross. Even then, they had hope. Even then, they thought it's not going to stay this way. I don't know how many of you saw The Passion of Christ. In every movie, when something tragic happens, you know that the good guys are going to come over the hill and save the day, the Calvary is going to arise. In that movie, it didn't arise. They didn't come to the rescue. Jesus died on the cross. Because when that happened, when Jesus cried out with a loud voice, it is finished and it breathed his last. With his death, vision and future and faith and hope all died too. They watched as his body is taken down from the cross and buried. And with that burial was buried their hopes and their dreams of everything that they'd placed in jesus can you imagine what that day must have been like can you imagine how their hearts must have been broken talk about disappointment and despair and hopelessness vision of what might have been is dash future what future or their faith completely snuffed out if you had done an interview Of these people, they would have said something like Ruth Dello. I can't begin to describe my grief and shock. It was almost more than I could bear. For three days, I wept. Three days, I expressed anger and loss. Three days, people tried to comfort me to no avail because the loss was just too great. Do you suppose that all of his disciples felt those exact emotions, those exact feelings? I would have. I would have felt every one of those feelings and when i read through that narrative except for the fact i know the end result that's how i feel but then all of a sudden on the first day of the week three days after the crucifixion news began to trickle in that jesus had resurrected from the grave all four narratives where uh, the gospels whether you're talking about matthew 28 or mark 16 or luke 24 or john 20 they all have something to say. They say on the first day of the week, the women they come to the tomb in order to anoint the body and to and to put spice on the body. But they have a worry. Their worry is that the large stone is placed in front of the tomb. Who's going to move it away? And when they arrive there, the stone is moved away. And as they enter into the tomb, Jesus' body is not there. The grave clothes are there, but he has gone. And then it says there are two men and dazzling a pair who are standing there or sitting there. It says, Who are you looking for? listen if you have stolen our body tell us where it is and we'll go and collect it and he says no listen are you looking for Jesus of Nazareth he is not here don't you remember that when he was alive he said to you that he would die and that he would resurrect on the third day and that he would meet you in Galilee this happens several times when he interacts with these, these women. And he tells them, go and tell the others. And so they go and they tell the disciples. Peter and John, in one account, they run to the tomb. John, younger than Peter, he beats them to the tomb. And as they walk into the tomb, there's no body. The grave clothes are there, but there is no body. And they begin to wonder about things. They tell the rest of the disciples. And it says they still don't believe. And then the two disciples are from the, on the road to Emmaus are, are walking along and they're talking and Jesus comes up to them. They don't recognize who he is. And he asks them, what are you guys talking about? And he says, are you a foreigner or a stranger that you don't know about Jesus whom we place all of our hopes in all of our dreams, who we believe was the power of, of God and how they crucified him and now he's dead? And then later on, as he is having supper with them, He reveals himself. And they tell the other disciples, and they won't believe it either. And then all of a sudden, there he was, alive. And they saw him with their their eyes, and they touched him. They heard his voice. The narrative doesn't say they cried tears of joy, but I don't know how they could have kept from it. And emotionally, they probably felt like turning cartwheels. I would have felt that way. I feel that way this morning as we are here together with one another, and as we gathered around the Lord's table, table earlier, and as we sang those songs and as we partake of those emblems, I felt tears in my eyes, and I thought about you. I felt tears in my eyes, and I wanted to jump up and I wanted to laugh out loud, except that you guys would have thought I was crazy, and if I started doing cartwheels, then you would know that not only was I crazy, but you have zero skills to do that, Richard. (laughs) But what an incredible thing that must have been. The resurrection is the ultimate reset because it resets everything that those other three resurrections had lost and, and could not regain. The resurrection says, yes, listen, for your loved one, there is a vision. For your loved one, there is a future. For your loved one, there is faith. And for your loved one, there is hope. The differences between the other three resurrections that I share with you is that each of them only had been given a, a reprieve. They would die again, but not as before, because of Jesus' resurrection. All those who had believed and followed would live uh, again. They would be resurrected. I will see my dad one day again. I'll see my mother one day again. I will see my friends and my loved ones one day. I was looking at just a, I keep a file of all the the funerals that I've done here over the last 20 years, and it's it's serious, it's that thick. And I go down through all those names of those that we have loved and, and lost, and I know that I'll see them one day again. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Church, do you believe this? Do you believe this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus from the grave, there is a tremendous hope and victory for every person. That word hope is just so important in, in life. In fact, it's essential to life. Dr. Jerome Goopman of Harvard Medical School found that when the diagnosis, when he diagnoses a patient with a serious illness, he says all of them were looking for a sense of genuine hope And indeed, that hope was as important to them as anything that I might prescribe to them as a physician. In his book called The Anatomy of Hope, he writes, we could not live without hope. Even with all the medical technology available to us, we still come back to this profound human need to believe that there is a possibility to reach a future that is better than the present. That's all the more important when we are faced with overwhelming times of hopelessness, moments when it seems the world is against us, when the cards are stacked against us, because we've all been there, haven't we? Moments when the world seems like a very cruel place, a place of broken promises, unsuspecting unsu- diagnosis, unfulfilled dreams, unthinkable betrayals and lies, a devastating disappointment, We find ourselves wrapped in hopelessness and despair. We ask ourselves, how can a person face those moments and those circumstances of life? And the answer is hope. Only one thing can bring hope to a hopeless situation. Only one thing can bring joy to where there is only sadness. Only one thing can bring life where there is nothing but death. Only one thing can give you optimism when it seems that you are defeated. And that's the power of the resurrection. He is risen. The same power which raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and to your life and all the circumstances that you face in life. As you say goodbye to your loved ones as they are lowered into the grave, you have hope that you will see them one day again. When you find yourselves in difficult times, you have a peace that passes all understanding. All of that is because of the resurrection. And so we celebrate the fact that he has risen not only on this morning, but every first day of the week we gather around the Lord's table and we remember Jesus' birth because if he had not been born, then he could not have been crucified. We remember his death on the cross for your sins and my sins and that he was buried in a grave and that he resurrected on the third day. And the resurrection is important because without it, his death would have meant nothing. He'd just been another Jew who died on the cross. And Jesus promises to come again one. Day he has risen from the dead. And so it's almost unbelievable when you think about it to hear those words Mom, it's me, I'm, I'm alive. My daughter has just risen up from her deathbed. My son has just risen from his death bier. My friend Lazarus, my brother Lazarus, has walked out of a tomb alive, and that Jesus is alive forevermore, fixing all those reprieves and making them a, a promise. will it be a wonderful reunion? I saw this picture, I think it was on Facebook. I don't know if I was able to capture the exact one, but when you enter into the gates of heaven, I believe we'll laugh. I believe we'll shed tears not of sorrow, but of great joy. I believe we'll hug those that we have loved. And I believe that we'd almost turn cartwheels. I've said to people as I've got older, kind of like what Jared said in his class, you know, my body is getting older. My brain says, Richard, you can do this. My body says, your brain's an idiot. (laughs) I'm saying to you this morning, that everything within me says that Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave. And we have the historical narratives that say that is a fact and that promise is yours. It's the ultimate reset of everything in life. It gives you vision. It gives you a future. It gives you faith. It offers you hope to endure this life and to move on all the way to the very end. It's the ultimate. Reset in life. And the beautiful thing is, is that God had this planned from eternity and that that plan involves you and that plan involves me. And it's an eternal plan. God, make no mistake about it, is looking forward to that reunion as well that I just talked about. So the message is yours. Your response is yours, whatever that might be. All together we stand and sing and give you opportunity.